0: get 20% off plus free shipping and two free gifts when you purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit with promo code Gators. Head over to manscape.com and purchase yours today.
2: Gators breakdown.
0: The Gators fan podcast because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore sec. And joining me for the NFL Draft Preview show this week from Sports Illustrated All Gators site are Zach Goodall and Demetrius Harvey. Guys, thanks, thank you so much for uh, hopping on Gators Breakdown. Thanks
2: for having us, man. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate it.
0: it. Yeah, so guys, uh, Zach. Well, I'll start with you. You've been on Gators Breakdown before. Are you ready for? Probably complete mayhem this week with the NFL draft. I don't know what to expect. Always drama anyway, but now with everything with the coronavirus and all this technology that uh, people can't seem to figure out on the NFL side, uh, I I think uh, all the drama probably won't be football related on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for someone to send out a trade offer to uh, one particular team over Zoom chat and it accidentally go to everyone else. Uh, (laughs) It should be exciting. (laughs)
0: Demetrius, uh, you and I were kind of talking uh, b- beforehand a-, a little bit. Yeah, w- we we expect uh, plenty of drama Thursday night.
2: Oh, absolutely. I feel like um, I, f- I feel like when when you get that many people that haven't used this technology before and put them all in lo- all inside a box, pretty much. It, it, there's it's just a it's just a recipe for uh, for disaster. There, there's nothing that is going to stop it. There's going to be at least one technical glitch. I mean, hopefully it doesn't take up too much time, but I guess we'll see. So are we are, are we predicting a technical glitch Thursday night? Oh Absolutely, my God, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt, Betham at mortgage. least at least one, yeah, at least one. My thing
0: is like, what would the NFL do? Like, if that happens, they I mean, they kind of have to play along. They can't, you know, the, I'm, the teams. The thing is, you know, is there some team out there that's going to maybe try it on purpose so they get more time? Or uh, you know, <laughs> you know, there's, there's there's this thing out there. So I will
2: wonder, or I am going to wonder, how flexible the NFL will be Thursday night. Well, the thing is, I I was surprised that they're not already giving them more time as it is. I mean, there's only ten minutes in the first round, so you would expect them to at least maybe push it to fifteen or or like stop the clock for a trade or something, just something to alleviate that. But it, it doesn't appear that they're changing any times at all. So, yeah, it does make me
0: wonder if they're telling teams that, but mm. they'll 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 play a little nicer Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday or Saturday. They'll
2: have to do something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, draft doesn't go to Sunday
2: anymore, right? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's yep. just going to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? right. Yep. There, there were the talks, I think.
1: Uh, I don't know if there is any substance to it, but of possibly extending it to Sunday, maybe doing a couple extra rounds and... Uh, I mean, I feel like that would make sense considering the circumstances. I'm also wondering, like, how many teams are going to prefer experienced free agents to undrafted guys? Mm. Whether or not mm. that'll affect the Gators or not, because they've got some guys that are definitely on the fringe. Uh, will they? Will teams prefer to go to the XFL to try and sign their guys? Or no. I don't know. It should be really interesting.
0: Yeah, we'll get into all that. Uh, Zach just mentioned you know, some guys on the fringe uh, for the draft. We'll get into all of that. Uh, CJ Henderson's rise into the. Top 10 uh, of the first round here that we've heard about in the, in the last week or so. Uh, Van Jefferson, uh, all the receivers there, of course, uh, the deep receiver core of Florida had. Michael P. Ryan, where's he fit in all this? Defensive ends for the Gators. Uh, what all is going to happen this coming up weekend. But before we get there, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there as well as news for Jack's coverage of the Gators and Jacksonville sports. Uh, if you've missed any episodes, go back there and check out uh, just yesterday released uh episode with uh, Seatrick Faison, uh former Gator running back. So a lot of good content that there from a uh, Jacksonville native. But Also, follow Gators Breakdown on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Gators breakdown so guys let's get into it and of course I just kind of alluded to it a little bit with CJ Henderson and getting a lot of new hype in the the last week or so been hyped up anyway as a first round pick for the Gators but now lately within the last week or so uh, projecting to be a top 10 pick now so what do you guys attribute to that in in the last week or so?
1: So I think the hype makes sense I mean there are teams that apparently have him Over Jeff Okuda from Ohio State on their board. And and, and I mean, when you look at the athleticism of the two, it certainly makes sense. You figure CJ's ceiling is through the roof if the correct team can mold him from a tackling perspective, continue polishing up some of his zone coverage stuff. But even just from a man coverage perspective, like he's got everything you want. He's a guy that you can trust to go and cover a number one and not really be worried about it so it makes sense that the his stock seems to be skyrocketing I'm wondering where his fit truly would be in the top 10 when you take a look to the rest of the talent that's going to be in there because it's a pretty top heavy draft there's a lot of talent that's supposed to go in this top 10 to top 15 picks Um, in which case maybe he will find a way to sneak in maybe there are teams like Carolina would be a good surprise team at number seven at the same time I do feel like maybe the 10 to 13 range feels a bit more realistic than the six to 10, but it's the draft. So, you know, anything could happen.
2: Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with Zach there on his, his athleticism is just through, through the roof. I think he ran a four, three, nine at the combine. He jumped however high he jumped. And I think that's kind of what separates him from Jeff Akuta Not that Akuda is not athletic on his own right. I think he ran a four, four, eight and he jumped probably higher than him, but the thing is that teams usually when they go into the draft they're not just picking a player because he's right now the best. They're picking a player to project them. They they want these guys to be 5 to 7 year starters and potentially hopefully more. And so when you when you think about that, CJ Henderson offers a lot of versatility. He's tall, he's he's lanky, he's he's pretty big, 205. He doesn't look that big, yeah. but he plays he plays to his size and and and, that, and that's a thing. Um, when, when you're, when you're about to pick your guy, when you're about to think about who you want to pick, you need to be able to project him further. So with, with that said, I still, I don't know how many teams would have him over Jeff Okuda, probably not as many as, uh, as, as it's coming out, but in the same vein, I could see a team maybe, you know, yearning for him jumping up, maybe into the top 10 to pick him, maybe in Atlanta Falcons or somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, the Falcons are you know kind of the hot name there coming up there for a, mm-hmm. a team that could uh, uh, get him jump ju- or get, get him that early in the draft. So. You guys, you, you know, scouts have to love two plays that Gator fans love. <laughs> if you go back to 2018 the, and uh, touchdown-saving tackles that he made in pursuit, chasing down Tennessee tight end in 2018, forcing a fumble uh, and, and getting a touchback in that game when Tennessee is trying to get some momentum uh, there and then chasing down Debo Samuel as well, where if you listen to South Carolina's, mm-hmm. um, you listen to their radio broadcast, they think Debo's all gone. It's going to be a touchdown for South Carolina, and here comes <laughs> uh, C.J. Henderson chasing him down uh, yep. there. So uh, those are plays right there uh, that, you know, scouts have to, you know, just point to and love, you know, the, the no-quit attitude of C.J. Henderson. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Demetrius.
2: Yeah, I, I was just going to absolutely absolutely. The, the, the thing is people knock him for his tackling ability, but w- w- what you really want to look at when you, when you think about how a corner can tackle is his effort. Is he trying to put his head in there? Is he trying to chase down the ball? If he's trying to do all that, the tackling is going to come it's 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 just how it goes in the nfl players can get better at tackling uh as much as people don't want to believe it and the the effort that cj has shown over his past three years at florida just have shown that you know the sky's the limit
1: yeah and the thing is there were plays like that in 2019 too um you know, I don't think he put out his best tape in 2019. He also knew, I mean, you look back to right after the draft last year, Matt Miller was putting out his two early ble- uh, bleacher report, two early big boards and mock drafts. C.J. Henderson was a top 12 player at that time. Like, people already knew he was going to be the cream of the crop at the position uh, he didn't need to come and put this elite film on tape again, especially in a year where he had to sit a couple games with his ankle injury. Uh, It it made sense that, you know, maybe the effort concerns in 2019 are correct that he wasn't putting in the full effort like those Tennessee plays and like the South Carolina play from 2018, Mm. but they were still there uh, in the LSU game, the pass breakup uh, taking Jamar Chase deep into the end zone at the start of the game. That was an elite coverage play and you put his length and speed on display. There was a tackle on a third in a crucial third and two where he came up you you saw the burst out of his break to come up and stop justin jefferson another potential first round pick stop him a yard short of uh of the first down and force a punt it's plays like that where you know maybe you don't see it consistently throughout the year but he showed up yeah. against top top competition and still made plays when they mattered
0: and there was a point, you know, this year where he he wasn't fully healthy, but he still yeah. rolled. He still rolled out there and and played. And I did see you know, reading some stuff this week about him. They were like, you know what, him not tackling those were money decisions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one wants coming up. Those, those were some money decisions there he was mm-hmm. making. But uh, yeah, that is the, the the you know perceived that he's a bad tackler right now. That is the that is the the knock on CJ right now. And you know one thing I want to the NFL teams. You know, of course, he went to the combine, they got the interview there, but uh, all these guys got to miss out on, on pro days and stuff, but you know CJ's demeanor, he, he's not the you know a lot of DBs out there are you know, trash talkers all up in your face and all that stuff. He's you know the quiet, go about your business uh, type of guy, and he'll, he'll, he'll get up there and show some emotion when he needs to, but he's not one of those type that that, that shows it all the time.
2: Like a Jalen Ramsey, he's he, he's not gonna get up in your face and 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 make some noise. He basically just goes about his thing. He'll he'll go in, he'll shut you down, and, and he's not gonna say much about it. He'll just go back to the sideline, and and that's kind of that's kind of the um, the demeanor that some some front offices would probably prefer, other than a guy that just is always in your face. And then of course there will be other people who want that kind of guy who's more physical, more aggressive. But at the same time, I I, I think you hit it on the. I think you hit it on the head with the uh, with the ankle injury. The, he he suffered the ankle injury early, I believe. I think it was mm-hmm. against Kentucky, which is only like two weeks into the season, and he never got healthy. So it's it's one of those things where you have to you have to put the good with the bad, but then you also have to put it into context and, and that ankle injury it definitely adds a lot of context to why he might not have shown as much effort as he did his first two years. I mean you see it with Jabari Zuniga too. He mm.
1: his entire draft stock is tanked because of his nagging mm. ankle injury. They were from what I understand, there were other concerns about him positionally translating to the NFL, but sure. you can't deny like the crazy athleticism that he just put on at the Combine. Like Teams will salivate over that when they see that matches up on tape, too, when you watch him. But his naggy ankle injury has potentially totally tanked his draft stock. Dan Mullen acknowledged it as well that he's sure if he could have a redo of the year, he'd do it because you know that's the difference of you know, potentially millions of dollars at the <laughs> end of the day.
0: Absolutely there. So, We'll move on and uh, go to the, the next player. Kind of slotted, you know, trying to go in a little bit of order here from what we think a draft order would be for some of these guys. But, you know, we'll pair him up a little bit too. But uh, Van Jefferson, uh, he was, you know, making moves after the season, getting raved about uh, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and then the combine comes and it's found out he has a fractured right foot. So he has to missed combine workouts. And look, there's plenty of tape on him and, and how, well he's, how well he's played for Dan Mullen and his Florida Gator offense the last two seasons. Uh, you know, But how much did it hurt him not being able to partake in workouts at the combine
1: i think it could go either way quite honestly because i wasn't sure exactly how he was going to test i didn't i was concerned honestly that his 40 yard dash time Mm. might end up hurting him after what he was able to do at the senior bowl the senior bowl was the perfect environment for him to boost himself up in an offense like florida's where the ball was spread around so much and he was still the leading wide receiver of the group uh but at the same time, not getting the heavy volume of targets, especially at his age, being 24 when the season starts, you know, it would hurt him a bit. So going to the senior bowl and he did flash a good amount of athleticism and breakaway speed uh, against the top competition in this year's draft among seniors to where teams can be confident enough that he's going to be a factor in an offense Uh To the point where, you know, not running the 40-yard dash, I don't think is the end of the world. My biggest concern when it comes to his draft stock is, yes, this injury was minor. He got his surgery. He's supposed to be fully recovered at or right after the draft, but teams not being able to do their own physicals. I mean, we've not seen how it's going to work for other guys. The conversation is obviously different with Tua Tagovailoa uh, with his hip injury, but... What if he falls? What if other guys fall from minor injuries throughout their college career simply because these teams can't do their physicals? So I still think Van is going to, you know, be a fringe uh, day two, maybe day three pick because of the injury, but he's the type of guy that he's going to enter an offense. He's not going to be your 100 catch Mm -hmm. 1200 yard receiver wide receiver one, but he's going to be a quarterback's best friend. Kyle Trask saw that last year, a guy that you can just trust in a timing based offense to consistently get open.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, especially at the senior bowl, he he did show a lot. He showed how crisp his routes were, were, were ran. He, he showed that he can get open against the top flight corners that were there. And there weren't, like many pushovers there 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 was a there was a couple guys there that's probably going to get drafted day three or early day two so it's it's not as if he was going against a a bunch of undrafted free agents at the senior bowl and for for what it's worth most um most nfl front offices they're not too concerned about necessarily the arm field testing yes it does help a lot and and obviously that it if he did run well, then it would have helped him a lot. But they're more concerned about the medical, as Zach said. So, so Dave Caldwell, the general manager of the of the Jaguars, he actually mentioned this, that the the worst thing about not having these pro days or or these these uh, early visits that they're allowed to have, they, they can't test them out medically so they can't go in there with their team doctor they don't know how well his foot's healing they they can only judge that based on what the uh what the agent says and, and of course the agent's always going to say <laughs> you know oh he's perfect he's he's he's, he's good to go so, so 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 that's the the one concern i have with van but um like zach said i, I don't think it should necessarily make him fall uh past day uh, past like maybe the around round five i i would say is his floor but um at the end of the day, uh, they're just going to judge him based on what what he did in college mm-hmm. over the past four years, and 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 that's and that's the most that that they can do. That's not he, he's one guy that there's. There's plenty of tape on.
0: There's enough tape there. There's not. There's not a lot of guesswork <laughs> with him <Nope. laughs> uh, and what he's putting out there. And look, he's going to play slot in, in, in the NFL. And for Florida's offense, he was able to play inside and outside. He's not going to be asked to do that uh, in, in the NFL too much here. So you know his, out, his route running so good, you don't have to worry about him maybe with his size, you know, beating some you know really tight man coverage there uh, yep. in, in the NFL trying to get off the line. But playing slot will help that uh, a bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's uh, that, that was probably. Some of the worry there. I mean, the route running is going to be crisp. He gets off the line. He's going to get open.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even if he does play outside, I think he's going to be more of a Z guy. Yeah. Not someone that teams are going to fully dedicate to pressing all the time like they would out on an island, uh, in which case he can continue to run route combinations. I mean, we saw it. There's this one play. Um, it was his uh, deep slant in 2018 against Florida State where he made the diving mm. catch. Mm. Route combinations like that where, uh, you know, defenders can be pulled down and even though he's not considered a deep threat, you can use him in that sense off against off coverage. I mean, his footwork still applies 15 yards down the field as it does on a slant route against Derek Stingley within three yards. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him. And I think you put it perfectly. Teams know what they're going to be getting with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Demetrius, before you jump in right here, I mean, some <clears throat> of the weaknesses uh, that uh, just NFL and what they perceive to be some of his weaknesses on NFL.com, uh, and kind of speaking the exact points here uh, a little bit, just four catches over 20 yards against SEC competition. Uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, that was one against FSU there, so they're not, they, they don't see that one since they're uh, just, just they're, uh, comparing his SEC competition there. But, you know, lacks top-end uh, speed to threaten vertically. And, you know, I guess we saw that a bit there. Uh, but uh, also, you know, one more there, more shifty than sudden at times. So I kind of, uh, I guess, agree with that a bit too, but – uh, I think a team, you know, trying to take the orange and blue glasses off here, uh, think might be getting a steal here in Van Jefferson.
2: I I really think they that they would be. There's there's one thing that you can't, or you can teach it, but there's one thing that 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 is, is hard to perfect in the NFL, and that and that's NFL route running. And I feel like for Van being able to work with his dad Sean, um, who's obviously the uh, the wide receiver coach for the Jets right now, being able to work with him throughout the years and perfect this route running ability, he's he's Absolutely, one of the top three route runners in this draft class, and and that's including uh, Jerry Judy, including Justin Jefferson. So when you when when you take a look at that, that that's something that teams cannot overlook. But there's one thing that I could see that could hurt him is, and, and that's his age. So. Mm. When you're taking a guy in the draft, you, you, you kind of project them. So you, you're thinking, okay, this guy's going to be amazing five years from now. But the worry with Van is he's already, I think he's 23 now. Um, the worry with him is that he might already be maxed out physically. And then that's also where the testing comes from. You couldn't test him, you can't see his long speed. So uh, teams are going to have to shuffle with that a little bit. But that's probably why he's going to go you know, late day two, early day three.
0: Yeah, very It's uh, probably one of the more intriguing prospects for me. Uh, just because I think uh of his ceiling because of his route running and hmm. uh I, I, there's just too much tape there for me to think he's not going to make it somewhat uh, in, in the NFL. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now right, guys, let's uh move uh, to the pass rushers here. Uh Jonathan Grenard, Bardseniga, two different styles here. Uh if you you know, how, how do you think how, how do you guys think teams value each here? You know, a, a basic look here You know, we give Grenard an advantage of being a better all around uh, defender you know, probably playing some outside linebacker uh, in the NFL. But Zuniga is, you know, in the mold of this, you know, more traditional pass rusher. Go. I mean, go get the quarterback. That's your job. Go get the quarterback. Uh, So, you know, for kind of maybe a little similar role at Florida, but, you know, probably completely different in the NFL.
1: So I, you know, this edge class in general is all, it's, you know, you, you've got Chase Young and then you've got <laughs> everyone else. <Yeah. laughs> um, and that's not any, you know, discredit to Grenard and Zuniga. I think they're both going to be very good players. But I personally believe that John Grenard is getting slept on in the class. He he tested fine, if not even above average, uh, as an edge rusher in the important stuff, in, in the jumps, in the three-cone drill. The 40-yard dash is not that important for an edge rusher. It's just, when when, when is a defensive end going to be running 40 yards down the field? Because the pocket's, what, five yards? <laughs> it's just not, that's just not, it doesn't translate as well. Uh, there are concerns with his bend. There's concerns with his previous injuries, but... He showed that he played through injury. He uh, he didn't let it limit him. He led the SEC in sacks and tackles for loss. Like He's got the production in the SEC where it matters. He's got the explosion off the line. He's got pass rush moves. His spin move is something that I think will really excite teams. His length is extraordinary. So they'll be able to develop a lot of moves with long arms and stuff like that. There's still a lot of development that Jonathan Grenard can take on even as a fifth year player uh even as a guy that's transferred schools had a lot of different coaching He's one of the more intriguing edge rushers that's not named Chase Young in this class, in my opinion. And even if he does slip a bit, he's going to end up with a team that will probably get creative with him. Uh, I know at the Senior Bowl, he was used as a Sam linebacker. And I was told by an NFL coach there that they actually really liked his fit there. Uh, they let him drop back into coverage uh, against tight ends, which isn't something we really saw him do at Florida. And Jared Pinckney of Vanderbilt. Not, I don't think too much of Pinkney as a prospect. But regardless, we didn't see Grenard doing that. And he did a fantastic job of quickly getting to the flats and, you know, covering his zone and, you know, just taking care of what he needed to do in that perspective. He's a coachable guy, coaches like him, and the edge rushing traits are all there for him to become an impact rusher. I'm not necessarily saying he'll be a 10 sack a year guy, but he's the type of guy that I think you want in your edge rush room to develop and just allow him to consistently put pressure on the quarterback.
2: Yeah, when you take a look at both of these guys, uh, Zuniga and Grenard, I think, David, you're right that they're both completely different players, but you, you have to also take in perspective that Grenard's going to be used as a, a versatile weapon on defense, mm. pretty much. You know, he's going to be a guy that he, he can go into a 3-4 defense, play outside linebacker just fine. He can go into a 4-3 defense and play the weak side defensive end position just fine. He, he's not going to be that guy that's going to stop the run very well at all times, but at this in the same vein, he's going to be able to be a guy that you can move around. So you don't have to have him on that edge to, you know, you're going to be putting him against like the biggest right tackle in the league or you're going to be putting him inside. You're not, you're just not going to be playing him like that. Um, and like Zach said about him at the senior bowl, he was able to showcase that versatility, which is obviously going to raise his stock. I'm not sure where he's going to go as far as this, uh, this draft because the, the, the edge class this year is just not – it's just not that good. You got, you have Chase Young. You have a couple of guys that are projects, in my opinion, The LSU kid, um, chase and, and then you have um, the, the Penn State guy, uh, Gross Grosmetos. I'm, I'm, sure I, I <laughs> <name, so. laughs> I'm sure I butchered his name. I'm sure I butchered his name. But but you get the point. So there's guys that, that would probably, in other drafts, maybe go a little bit later, which will obviously push Grenard up. And then you have Zaniga, who's more of a guy that's going to be a base end um, he's going to be the guy that you 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 know what he's going to do. He knows his his uh, his role in the defense, and he's going to produce as long as he's healthy.
0: Yeah, I think the concern here, and, and Zach alluded to it just a bit, injury concerns, Grenard uh, missed the whole season at Louisville, basically, with a wrist injury. Hobbled some last year with a lower leg injury. Zuniga mm-hmm. missed a, a bulk of the season last year with a high ankle sprain uh, there. And another concern for for Zuniga and something I was looking for last year, and he showed it in flashes because he played well versus Georgia when he was in there early before he kind of re-aggravated the injury. was. But the, the kind of knock on him his whole career was, we need to see that in the big games. We need to see that in the SEC competition. And that's where Zuniga maybe has left something to be desired. He'd go out, mm-hmm. he'd blow, he'd go out and blow up UMass <laughs> or whoever he was. <laughs> and he showed that potential as a freshman. That's why we got so excited about Jabbar Zuniga. Those overmatched opponents when he was a young player, we, get, we, we saw the flashes. And I think we saw it for the most part of uh, this past season when he was out there. The, in the season opener, of course, and him and Grenard just ended up living in the backfield versus Miami. But you know a very overmatched offensive line. It was just something I was really hoping to see his last year of him being able to, to to show up in big games with him being injured. We just didn't get to see it a whole lot.
1: Yeah, exactly. And one thing that I think he did show when he was on the field is that athleticism and I think he showed it really vertically as a rusher. He's not the type of guy that like Grenard, I, I, I think uh, a good bit of Grenard's ability to bend around the edge uh, more so than others even seem to think in the draft community. Uh, Zuniga is not that just he's just not that type of rusher. He's a guy that can bull rush. He can play vertically because he's so explosive and so quick and so strong. I mean, we saw he was on Feldman's uh, freak list last year. And for good reason, uh, he's the type of guy that, you know, I don't know if I'd necessarily want to confine him to one position I would allow him in sub packages to play as an interior rusher. I don't think he's got the size to play that three downs whatsoever, even though he was up to, I think, 263, 264 at the combine, which was way above anything I think he ever played at at Florida. Um, But if you can keep him there, and obviously he's still able to maintain that athleticism at that weight. He showed that at the combine. Uh, As long as he can continue to do that on film, I think – He will be really enticing, whether it's in a 3-4 defense uh, on their stronger side end that plays a little bit more inside, or in a 4-3 defense, you let him rotate as a three-technique defensive tackle, a four-eye, almost a hybrid, and let him uh, shoot interior gaps, play interior linemen. I think he'd wreak havoc. I think he'd collapse pockets really well. Uh, Just compared to playing NFL tackles, I do think he might struggle a bit with bending uh, compared to when he'd play inside.
0: And one thing about that is I think if you go back to the Georgia game a bit when he was hobbled, I think they shifted him inside a little bit. So he didn't have to put so much stress mm-hmm. on, on, on his injury there. I think they, if I remember mm-hmm. right, they slid him inside a little bit. And just because mm-hmm. I think of, you know, I think they had confidence he could make an impact there, but also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of protect himself from injury a little bit.
1: That's something he actually told me at the Senior Bowl when I got to catch up with him. He he didn't want to just come out and play defensive end at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he wanted to put on tape that he could play every single technique on the defensive line, and they let him move around. He flashed some at certain times. He had struggles at others, but, I mean, that's going to happen when you're playing every position on the defensive line in a setting like that that's just that's just what's going to happen he's got to have more consistent coaching but he was telling me he wants to play zero he wants to play he wants to play nose tackle of all things uh go in and play a three tech move all across standing if they'd let him uh he's got the determination to do it too that's another thing that he's got great work ethic he's a dedicated player and i think he's going to I'm curious to what his ceiling will truly be because of his size and because of the uh, you know the nagging ankle injury. Obviously, is going to be of concern for a defensive lineman, uh, but he's got the determination. He's got the experience moving inside and out to where he's going to be a bit of a chess piece for the team that he falls to.
2: That'd be interesting to see, which is exactly where teams view him playing. So, like like you said, he he, he could play inside he, on 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 a uh, on nickel downs, or he could play outside on. In base, but I, I'm curious to see if he's going to be a starting player for all three downs at at any point in his career. He he, he seems to be a guy that if if he's not your main person, he's going to thrive. But but if he is, then I'm 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 interested to see how much uh how much production he can get out of that sort of role. No, yeah, well, I think yeah, very very. I mean, body body type for what we know, uh, mm-hmm.
0: it seems to be that. Typical NFL defensive end mold. But now, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what, what Zach was saying and everything at the Senior Bowl, you know, how is he going to look? Are they going to transform his body to, to maybe move more inside and, and play more inside? Mm-hmm. It? Yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. there's something to look out for when you see Jabari eagle on the field next year. Is that what his body type is and what he looks like? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor, Manscaped. With no live sports on TV, there is an increasing excitement around the NFL draft this week. The NFL Draft is all about new beginnings, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here to give you a new beginning. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents, nick-free shaving thanks to Manscaped's advanced advanced skin-safe technology. And of course, let's not forget about the crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, right? So why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? When you purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit at manscaped.com, you get the biggest bang for your buck. Subscribers get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The shed travel bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. This is the Perfect Package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Gators at manscaped.com. Right now, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Gators at manscaped.com for your perfect package 3.0 kit. Moving on here, and I think uh, one, one of the more intriguing players here for, for Florida going into this draft, LaMichael Uh How much does last year Absolutely. hurt him because of you know the, the lack of production, but at the same mm-hmm. time? How much does his pass-catching ability make up for that? We saw, you know, late in Mullen's first season, 2018 versus Michigan in the Peach Bowl, uh, that's, we saw the the glimpse of LaMichael Piran being used more in the passing game. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not – you know, Last year, because of the offensive line and, and, and the offensive line struggling, not being able to run and didn't get the stats we, we thought he would have before the season started. So, you know, I think Piron became even more of a pass catcher than the staff originally intended in 2019. Uh, and so, you know, I can see NFL teams falling in love with the versatility that it brings
1: yeah. So that's something that Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl and a former NFL scout, actually said. He was not very fond of Felipe Franks. <laughs> he, he was saying if you look towards the quarterback play uh, prior to twenty nineteen, you saw Lamichael P. Ryan as a very dynamic rusher. He had the run blocking that helped, but the you know, the offense really thrived with him running the ball. And then they transitioned to pass heavy and a very, you know, timing based rhythmic passing offense that worked in 2019 and what do you know like like you said all of a sudden he becomes this great pass catching back he the concerns about his speed that you know that Auburn had that he put the chip on his shoulder they're correct from an NFL Mm -hmm. perspective Uh, it it makes sense the 40 yard time proves that um, especially at his even if you adjust it for his size it, it is a concern but the balance that you're getting, comparing him to a lot of the guys that'll be drafting in his range, that you know might be one-trick ponies. Uh, the balance that you're getting from him, as well as another determined, you know, type of player, not someone that just, you know, takes what he's given. He he earns what he gets as a rusher as a receiver just as a player in general he's a, he's a workhorse and you know you put him into a committee like how the Eagles use their running backs for example San Francisco uses their running backs Baltimore in their offense with Lamar Jackson you put him in an offense like that year one you're going to have success with him he's not going to be a guy that breaks out in a year or two because his starter went down you, you want to put him into an offense where he will get snaps early on uh, throw teams off let him be a change of pace of some sort uh, let him be your third down back, and he's going to find success. I, I do think he's going to be one
2: of the the gems of the class in terms of Florida prospects. Yeah, I, I might I might be in the uh, in the minority here, but but I believe that last year actually boosted him up quite a bit, and mm-hmm. and more so than than his previous seasons. And that's because of the pass catching in, in in today's NFL. They don't just want bruising backs like a Leonard Fournette who will play you know first and second down. Mm. They'll get they'll play on third down, but. All, are they going to catch the ball? I know that Fournette showed that last year, but in in the same vein, P Ryan's a guy that uh, that obviously his first few years he wasn't catching the ball very much. I believe he had forty out of however, I think it was seventy total catches this year. So when 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 you take a look at that, I think it's going to be a thing that boosts him up because he's definitely not the guy who's going to break away, giving giving you those eighty yard rushes. He's not incredibly shifty, but he's a good you know power slash. Um, move back I guess you would say I'm, I'm not really sure the correct terminology there but he, he, he's a guy that you're going to put in there on third down he's going to thrive he's a guy that you can put in there on first and second down and I think that putting him in an offense that already has an established running back would be his best case for his first couple years in the in the NFL because he's not going to have to be the guy but he's going to be that guy that can come in and pretty much compliment whoever he's going to be behind I
0: tell you what I'd like about him, and not really in a typical way, but as a short short yardage back. Because yep. how often did he ever get tackled behind the line of scrimmage for for, like, for for a loss of? Uh, yardage, and even with a, a felling offensive line, even when the offense was kind of finding their way early in 2018, uh, and go back to 2017 uh, as well as you know Jim McElwain's last year with uh, LaMarco Piron. You know the stats didn't necessarily blow you away, but you didn't. There was not a lot of tackles for loss in, in dealing with him. He found a way mm-hmm. to get a yard or two uh, there, and, and kind of his you know short yardage shiftingness I guess, is what I'll uh, <laughs> best way to describe mm-hmm. it for LaMarco Piron is. That's mm-hmm. one aspect I think teams will, will kind of look at with him as well.
1: Yeah, that's something I've actually seen thrown around. Uh, Lance Zerline, a really respected NFL draft analyst, has said it. You know, he's not going to be the guy that at the second level gets you an extra three or four yards towards the first down marker on first and 10. But against perhaps a more stacked box uh, on first and 10, he's going to get you that extra two or three yards past the line of scrimmage. That's just his style of play with the burst that he has. And he really follows blocks well when they're established for him. In Florida... You know, they weren't able to establish their typical pull blocks, uh, their second level blocks uh, that they had done in years past, uh, especially in 2018 with the elite line that they had at that point. Uh, But when he has that timing uh, to allow his blocks to be set up and then make his cut, his one cut and go, uh, that's where he really succeeded as a rusher.
2: Anything else, Demetrius, on the P-Run? No, I don't got anything else. Um, I, I, I feel as though he's he he's one of those guys that is not going to go super high in the draft, but yeah. whatever team does take him, they're going to get a, a a good a good player. Like it, it, it's as simple as that. They're not going to get a guy that's going to come in and and uh, and just you know carry himself and and not really do anything. He he's going to actually produce mm-hmm. and probably early.
0: All right, let's move to this uh, big group of receivers that Florida has. We, we discussed Van Jefferson early; because he's the standout uh, amongst the group, the one who's going to go the highest uh, here. But this twenty nineteen senior group, uh, you know, who's who's got the best chance to make some noise? Uh, to, to, uh, according to you guys, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland, Josh Hammond, uh the remaining core of this group here, uh, more you know, more than likely out of the, out of that three, Swain or Swain or Cleveland uh, can maybe mm-hmm. find their name called uh, when you know by the time the draft ends.
1: I I I think I'd be surprised to see any of them uh, be drafted. If there was one that was going to end up getting called, I think it would be Tyree from a size and speed perspective, uh, special teams perspective. Uh, teams see that his role was reduced almost year by year in a mm-hmm. sense uh, compared to when he started off. Yet he was always the dude on tape that was catching up with whoever was breaking off on a long touchdown in 2019 and finishing blocks through the end of the play to the point where people were calling him for holding against South Carolina, <laughs> I think, which you will on that one. Um, but, but that's the thing is they'll see, and, and this is like Demetrius was saying about getting a good determined player um, in P-Ride. I think from head to toe with Florida's draft class this year, Each of these guys are those types of players, determined players, you know, hard workers, not just going to take what's handed to them like, you know, some guys that we've seen in the past. Uh, It's a really good driven group of prospects to the point where, you know, I don't think Freddie Swain from a, you know, a total athletic perspective, a production perspective and a size perspective would get him drafted in such a deep receiver class in a yeah. year where it's not as stacked a class. I could see it being different. Um, but those are the type of guys that you try to look for in undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that succeed. The ones that, you know, they've put out good tape. Their production is at least solid and their special team contributors, their team guys, Josh Hammond and Freddie Swain, like, You know, Mullen talked about this all last year. How many times do you see guys very willing to split a starting role for the benefit of the team? That's unheard of. And and teams will look to that in undrafted free agency – 10 times out of 10 over the guys that, you know, have the really high ceilings and high potential, but don't have the work ethic. That's really what's, and I think that's a testament to the program. I think that's a testament to what Dan Mullen has really established from his team and in, in this locker room. Uh, that's going to take these guys far. I, 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 do think, you know, we'll have some undrafted free agents from Florida this year. I think Really, unless it's Van Jefferson and maybe Tyree, I do think Freddie and Josh will probably end up not getting their names called, but they're the types of guys that you know their phone's ringing as soon as the draft concludes
2: and that's the that's sort of the disappointing thing about you know for for, for those guys because in any other draft like you were saying in any other draft almost, they would probably be drafted mm-hmm. and it, and it's and it's mostly because you take players that have been playing on the field for a long time. The, all these guys were mm-hmm. seniors. You 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 take guys that have that have put in multiple multiple snaps, and they all have. Um, the the one knock against them is that this draft class is just so deep. It, it, it really is. It, 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 it's kind of crazy. There's 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 guys that you can see going round one, but then you're thinking, oh no, maybe they're going to slide because this guy might go because there's that many. So the the one knock on on guys like. Um, Tyree Cleveland or or um, or or Josh Hammond or, or Freddie Swain the, the 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 issue is also that they've been in an offense which is more of a spread offense that they haven't been able to get the production that you would see in guys that are playing every single snap they're not playing every single snap so they're they're, they're not able to get in there and showcase exactly what they can do but if there's one guy that's going to be drafted it's probably going to be Tyree because it was four four six forty that stuff isn't going to be overlooked by nfl scouts they they love fast receivers they love guys that are going to be able to compete right away on special teams and for all you know maybe he'll fall in the seventh and then be taken guys yeah i brought brought up a good point there so
0: you know dan mullen you look at his offense and, and you look at the wide receiver you know final statistics of the season and you know Besides Van Jefferson, if you want to call him the, the number one for for the Gator wide receiver core, you can call him that just based on the stats and, and leading the stats the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. I mean, the ball gets spread out so much, you okay. know, and it's whether whether or not whether they're not on the field because Florida, you know, Florida. Just besides these four guys, Jacob Copeland, Kadarius Tony, also catching patches, yep. taking numbers away from these guys. But um, but you still you look at the a stat sheet for the wide receivers, and you know, there's a lot of catches there. <laughs> <You just clears throat> spread out a bu- yeah. a, a amongst a lot of guys so you know maybe not having a combine really hurts these guys uh, workout wise because you know they, but just because of the tape they're limited tape because of uh, just so many receivers in Dan Mullen's offense g- garnering stats so I wonder how you know I, w- I wonder how scouts and NFL guys maybe take a look at a history of Dan, of Dan Mullen's offense and say hey this is kind of a staple of his offense. So you know, maybe we're unear- unearthing some type of you know late round undrafted free agent pick.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I totally agree. And I mean, we saw at the same time. You know, he may not have led the team in receptions. Freddie Swain, correct me if I'm wrong, led all receivers in touchdown receptions, though. Uh, so there are aspects of their game that are certainly appealing. Freddie running a four point four six also caught me off guard. Yeah, I yeah. I, I I thought it was going to be something in the four fives, uh, just average. And, and you know, four four six isn't Henry Rugg's speed, obviously. But I mean, that's that'll get you by. That especially playing in the slot, um, that will do him justice. And, and I think another huge aspect of it, like I said, is is the determination factor. Um, that is truly what's going to separate. A lot, because there's going to be a ton of undrafted receivers this year. It's just going to be the nature of it with how deep the class is. Um, I would bet that those guys' phones will be blowing up uh, if they're not, and maybe there will be the surprise pick because it's going to be like you know just throwing darts at the receiver board um, when it comes to later round picks with how deep the class is. Maybe they will end up getting selected, but if not, I, I would guarantee they've got a role. And they're they're the type of players that I'd bet on to last through training camp and make a fifty three.
0: Yeah, every, Absolutely. And Demetrius, before you go there, every time yeah. Swain showed speed, it surprised me. Whether two years ago at Tennessee and Franks rolls out and finds him on the sideline and he outruns the Tennessee defense. Or, of course, the first touchdown versus Auburn. It's just like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> like, it's, every time, you, I, I guess I knew he was that fast, but every time he showed it, I was still surprised. And then, of course, the, the big 40-yard dash at the combine.
2: Yeah, exactly, and 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 one of the things that that popped out on film to me with Freddie was that whenever he got the ball in his hands, all of a sudden he's gone. So it, like his his speed, like you said, was on tape, and 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 teams teams have seen it, and to be able to get that that guy that can give you that uh, rack or run after catch ability, then that's impressive. Teams teams like guys that can go over the middle, catch the ball, take off and run. You know, if 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 there's one thing about all. All of these Gators receivers—it's that they have the want to, they have the drive, and if, there, if there's any if there's any other receivers that are are going to get undrafted and, and get that quick calls, it, it's probably going to be them.
0: Uh, and one thought here I uh, found on uh, Josh Hammond. You, you go and look at you don't find a lot about him out there just because I, I, a lot of people probably do not see him <laughs> getting drafted. Right. Of course, he wasn't invited to the combine. Uh, really hurt, of course, when pro day was canceled due to the coronavirus. So you know, if his name gets called, it'll be late in the draft. But uh, Andrew uh, Desecco, do you guys know him? Pro Football Network.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. He, um, I, if I recall, he got his testing numbers from a local pro day that he did. Right.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, and he offered this positive review uh, of here on Hammond. Quote: uh, The former Gators pass catcher is sleeky built and doesn't win his matchups based purely on speed. What he excels at, however, is finding creative ways to get open and manufacture yards on his own. With fifty five percent of his two thousand nineteen receiving yards coming after the catch. His ability Mm -hmm. to create space and attack leverage made him tough to cover throughout Shrine Week. Hammond is also as sure-handed as it gets. He finished with Florida career with 20 straight games without a drop. So uh, I'm admittedly high on Hammond as a prospect. He is a quick learner, will do whatever is asked of him, and has tremendous character. That said, I acknowledge his ceiling is somewhat limited. I currently have Hammond slated as a priority free agent, but his leadership, football intelligence, and versatility should enable him to carve out a long career at the next level. So somebody putting that free agent label on him here, but also at the same time saying he'll carve out a long career in the NFL. Mm
1: -hmm. I almost view him as kind of a light version of Van in a sense. Yeah. He he was very good at getting open on the short shorter and intermediate routes and grabbing some yards after the catch. It was nothing, you know, truly explosive consistently. Uh, it wasn't it, 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 like he said, perfectly the ceiling there is limited. Um, but, but it, it's the same thing with the other guys. Yep. Uh, it's it's the determination factor. It's the, it's the work ethic. I mean, he was the representative every week uh, coming out and speaking at the podium. The, the, there are small tidbits like that where they'll look to him for doing stuff like that as a leader uh the splitting the role with Swain, and then exactly the like with Van, what's going to get him drafted is his dependability factor as a route runner potentially emerging as a quarterback's best friend. Uh, I don't Hammond's not as dynamic as Van can be, but it's a similar thing. you know a team that's looking for some depth at slot that uh, just wants a guy that they can trust to get open and you know crank out some
2: tough yards he, he's a guy that can do that. Absolutely. I agree with both you guys on that. The, the high character thing, that, that's that's really something that NFL GMs and scouts, they really look at. They, they they look at each prospect. Sure, they can compete on the field, but what's their character like? What's their fit in the locker room? Are they going to be good guys in the locker room? Or are, are, are they going to be cancers? Or are they going to be guys that are you know not really going to gel with the quarterback? Are they going to be me first players? And none of these... Florida wide receivers were me first players. And, and and if they were, then they were probably really struggling last year or the year before because of how Dan Mullen calls his offense. So it, it's one of those things where you you kind of have to look past the production. You have to look past the testing scores, even though some of these guys have you know ran really well. Um, you just have to look at them as individual prospects who present high-character football players for your team. They're going to come in, they're going to get their job done, and they're going to get to work. Yeah, I mean, you look at these guys uh, here, and you know, speaks to Dan
0: Mullen too. But uh, uh, you know, a personal responsibility for these players too. But you know, besides the Tyree Cleveland incident when he was a freshman at Florida, these guys were not in trouble. I mean, that uh, all these guys, you know, we're sitting here discussing a little bit. So, uh, you know, g- good guys. And you know, it really speaks to Dan Mullen uh, uh, of his, you know, kind of accountability uh, for his players there and, and what they're going to show here going into the NFL draft. A couple more players, guys, who uh, probably won't get their name called, uh, but you know, are eligible here. David Reese, Tommy Townsend. Uh, David Reese at linebacker. Tommy Townsend at punter, of course. Uh, punters aren't going to get drafted, so it's just uh, the nature of the beast hey, hey, here. Hey, hey,
1: his brother did. Yeah, that's he true. That did. is very
0: true. Very true. Uh, yeah, that's, there's Part the example. People too. Yeah. The very <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick there. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, David Reese, of course, for all the production that, that he had at Florida. You know, just not necessarily that fit uh, NFL teams are really are really looking to, to draft mm. all too high.
1: Yeah, it's you know, especially as the league has. Gone towards being so pass heavy, and the pass concepts are so important that they're looking like size isn't even as important at linebacker now as it was five years ago Mm. uh, because they're looking for these rangy guys that can cover. Uh, You know, you see, you can get a run stopping linebacker, a thumper for a dime a dozen on day three. Uh, In Reese, you know, in those types of guys, they are looking for some size and they are still looking for some athleticism. And, you know, Reese doesn't really. Provide that compared to some other guys, which is going to inevitably be why I think he goes undrafted. Missing on the combine only hurts. I think, you know, he would have interviews at the combine are, I mean, you saw it with Jakai Polite last year. They, they yeah. can tank your draft stock. At the same time, they can also push it up. David Reese is a guy that if he was there, that he probably would have been pushed up from a football IQ perspective. I mean, everyone knows that since he started playing as a freshman, he was keying uh, for the defense, keying run plays, lining guys up. Those are things that, like Demetrius said earlier, good point is some things just aren't teachable. And David Reese is a natural in that perspective. So he's the type of, you know, the thumping, run-stopping linebacker that's not going to play on third downs in the NFL. It's just not going to happen. But... Uh, another undrafted type where he'll come in and compete for a role where he can play on early downs, provide depth as an early down run stopper who diagnoses the run well and shoots gaps.
2: Yeah, David Reese, is, he's an interesting guy because obviously he's a leader on the football field. He's hes a very smart and intelligent football player. But like Zach said, that, the speed at the linebacker position, it's so pivotal in today's game at the next level, at least, you, you have to be able to cover these guys that are coming across the middle. You have to be able to keep up with these fast running backs, and he's not going to be that guy in, the, in a typical 4-3 defense, but I could possibly see him as an undrafted free agent still, but going into a team that already has an established middle linebacker in their 3-4 defense, which typically doesn't have to play as far off the ball, and perhaps maybe he can provide some, some, some depth there Um, but unless, unless he can play special teams, I'm not sure how, um, how he'll end up making a team, but you know, his determination, just like all these other guys that that, that we talked about is there, he's, he's got the intelligence and and I'm sure that he's going to make, you know, some coach fall in love. Absolutely. Something to look out for there late uh, in the draft and uh, mm-hmm. right after the draft uh,
0: happens there with a, with, with a few of these Gators here. So, uh, guys, a mm-hmm. uh, quick shout-out to you guys, too, for the work you're doing over there at uh, SI All Gators and a couple of articles I, w- I wanted to pinpoint uh, for our listeners out there. Zach, I want to hit on your latest, you know, uh, at, at All Gators. You know, which Gators wide receiver can replace Van Jefferson's uh, ability? You know, since we are kind of just discuss him and, and everything moving forward here, um, you know, yeah. And you picked a wide receiver that, you know, to me is a, a complete package in Jacob Copeland.
1: Yes. Yeah, see, in, in, I had some responses uh, more on Facebook. I, I post a lot of our stories on Facebook, and I'm sure you know that the the comments there can get a little crazy. And someone said <laughs> that they're just not the same. They're, he and Van aren't the same receiver. And that makes sense?, yeah. uh, from an athletic perspective, Jacob Copeland is a freak. That's what you know we've been calling him since he was coming out of high school when he ran a 444 and jumped 37.4 inches, like, dude's really, really athletic, and I didn't mean to tap that as his ceiling is van. Uh, but that athleticism we saw it when the media was allowed in camp last year, and he was working individual drills, working on breaking routes. It was so smooth. Uh, and we saw it in glimpses when he was on the field and he didn't get the snaps that the veterans got. But we saw it against South Carolina uh, on that one uh, catch from the outside where he had an outside release, a good little punch uh, to the cornerback's chest and quickly got his feet upfield and separated Um the pass was a little bit underthrown. Otherwise, I truly think he could have broken off and scored because he had the separation to do it. Uh, but it didn't matter because later on he made another reception where he did a little outside, you know, stop and go and cut up field. Twitchy footwork, just the ability to get open. It, it's all there, it I'm curious to see him in that full-time role or getting the snaps in the role that Van was playing because I think he's a guy you can move all over. You can get creative with him and also running jet sweeps uh, like they have done with Kadarius, like they did with him. and he packages and just a total package is the right way to put it. But when at least comparing him to the guys that have experience on the roster in you know in Trayvon Grimes and then. You know, Rick Wells doesn't really have much game experience, but he's been here for a while. So I can't really compare many other receivers into a potential role like what Van served other than the guy that's just such a smooth athlete to where his skill set truly makes sense if they're looking for that Mr. Dependable guy. I think as long as, you know, I mean, his hands do have to improve in order to serve in that Mm -hmm. respect. But I, I think they... You know, I think they did improve as time's gone on, and I think it's going to naturally get better as he continues to play. In which case, just purely from a route running perspective, I think he's the best match.
0: Yeah, Demetrius, for you jumping there uh, with this, mm. you know, I, I've tabbed Copeland as my breakout player uh, for next year, and I, I'm not, it's not really going out on a limb. I, I know that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just now with those older wide receivers gone, and he's going to get more of an opportunity. Uh, and like Zach said, he can play inside. He can play out uh, like Jefferson. They can move him around a bit. But look, there's there's a potential for a bit more explosiveness uh, in his game compared to Van Jefferson and, and also becoming more of a downfield threat uh, Je- than Jefferson was. So, of course, he, I don't think he's going to be quite as crisp as Jefferson running routes, but he can get open in other ways, kind of to Zach's point. Who's who's going to get open? And I think, you know, coping with his explosiveness and being a little bit more physical, well, I think
2: he can be that guy that can get open. I absolutely agree with both of you guys on on Copeland specifically just the, when you look at him, he just looks like a freak of nature I, I don't know how many people saw that uh, that picture he posted on Twitter I'm sure everybody saw it where he just looks ripped like he 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 went into the, the training room or 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 the science lab or where, Wherever he went <laughs> and he came back out and and he just looks insane He looks like a guy that's an NFL wide receiver today, and he's he's and he's so young but Another guy that's that's going to step up in the passing game this year, and because of all these wide receivers leaving, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be the guy. He, he's going to be the, the number one target for Kyle Trask or uh, or Emory Jones if if he gets in there, and he's probably going to succeed because Dan Mullen loves the tight end position as much as um, as much as he didn't use very much of the of the other ones this year. He could you could see him go to more of a two tight end set, you know, more often. You could see him given the distributing the, the ball a lot more to the tight end position. And I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a key a key member of that Gators offense. And Demetrius, I'm going to give you a, a shout-out here, too, based on that, kind of extending
0: that conversation. And in, in your latest there, you know, uh, titled Hidden Gems, Gators Rising Sophomore, tight end Keon Zipper." Yep. You know, it, you know one item there that I think we will see this season, and, and that's where you say in your article, you know, quote, one one of the more interesting ways the Gators could use him uh, is in an H-back role, uh, yes. a player who typically lines up close to the line of scrimmage as a blocker or in the backfield, uh, you know, quasi-fullback here. Uh, you know, what you were saying for him being 6'2", uh, you know, he fits that mold. And, look, I, I brought that up here uh, on the podcast before, uh, you know, that, that, that he's – in the, he's more of a tight end in that mold of Aaron Hernandez, and, and can play that yep. H back role. You know, he'll have to prove he can block in that spot. But you know, but I'm ready to see some more of that uh, tight end H back shovel pass.
2: <laughs> I, I'm really interested to see it too. And 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 we obviously saw that with uh, with Hernandez a long time ago. Um, it, coming out of the backfield, he's going to be impressive. He's he's obviously an athlete. And um, I think that I think that he can provide some blocking. He's closer to closer to the line of scrimmage. And I believe whenever they did bring him in last year, it was mostly at that goal line blocking. When they brought in around like three around three tight ends to to block for whoever was ab- about to run the ball. But when 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 you think about uh, the evolution of a Dan Mullen offense, typically it takes a few years. Uh, like if you go back to his time at at Mississippi State. It didn't get off rolling right away, you know. It wasn't until year three or four, you know, he he had, he ended up getting Dak Prescott, ended up getting a bunch of other guys, where his offense really uh, evolved, and and you could see him using more pieces to you know to his offense, and, and instead of just going out with the same sets, the same five wide receiver sets, he brought people in a little bit more tighter at times. So it, it's going to be interesting, and I think that Keon's going to be able to do that this year with the uh, with Kyle Pitts. Dak, uh, I
0: think we we will have to get to a point where these tight ends are going to have to show their ability to block.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, the run, the run game's got to be fixed. I, I think that's going to be, an extremely crucial part of their off-season approach whenever that starts back up. (laughs) Um, But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, It's the same with the offensive line. They're going to have to do some shuffling to get the best guys on the field, even if it means playing young guys early. If they're poised run blockers, you've got to get them into the interior. Uh, And at the same time, at the tight end position, we we saw that. Kyle Pitts, I think, can continue to develop, and I don't think he was necessarily a bad blocker, but... It also seems like a bit of a waste of his potential to make him that inline guy when you know what he is as a receiver. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's going to be crucial for Keon to earn those reps, is developing as a blocker. Um Gamble is the guy that's been considered to be, you know, probably the better blocker of the group because Lucas Kroll struggled there. He's not here anymore, obviously, but uh I was surprised that Gamble didn't get as many snaps uh, last year because of the run blocking issues. I guess maybe that's a giveaway that Mm. they're probably going to run the ball when he comes in, but, I mean, find a way to utilize him in the pass game even if he's not your target. Like, get him on the field, in which case he can come in and provide some run blocking help. So maybe his snap count will finally go up this year if it's not Keon or if it's not someone else coming in and playing early on, uh, maybe another, maybe a true freshman in Jonathan Odom who has <laughs> blocking in his blood um, comes in and surprises everyone, but it's going to be such a crucial factor, uh, tight end in all five positions of the line, just finding a way to get run blocking done
0: guys. It was the, uh, it was a shame we didn't get to see it this past Saturday for what would have been the spring game.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Man, I, I, I
2: Yeah Demetrius, you come over so to the
0: Demetrius, come over to the Gator Beat and uh yeah. don't even get to cover the team ball and, that much. And they
2: just they, they just cancel everything.
1: <laughs> they, they they said, Oh no, we 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 can't have that. So Yeah, Demetrius, you are a bad you are a bad luck. Uh <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna fire you because of this. <laughs> bad a bad omen. It's alright. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Everything's back on schedule sometime this summer and we we get our football in the <laughs> fall in, in some form or fashion, but uh Guys, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for uh, stopping here uh, on Gators Breakdown and and, and talking plenty of uh, draft coverage and, and Gators here uh, before we wrap it all up. But uh, what you guys got coming up this week? I'm sure plenty more draft coverage. Uh,
1: we're going to knock draft coverage out of the park. So if you guys are looking for, uh, you know, any type of Florida Gators draft stuff, whether it's as soon as the picks out, I'm sure there'll be a story up, uh, analysis of team fits. We're going to really try and look into this because, this is the only sporting event that's going on for the foreseeable future. So, but I mean, anyway, I, th- I we both love the draft. It's in our background, so we want to provide as much unique draft content as possible. So, if anyone's out there looking for Gators draft content, make sure to go check it out over at allgators.com.
2: Yeah, and I'd have to echo exactly what Zach said. Uh, we're going to be covering the draft. We're going to be covering every every, every single. Uh... Gators prospect that goes drafted or undrafted. We'll give our thoughts and analysis. And I might be able to get a couple of interviews with some college coaches depending on how the, the Jaguars draft too. So if the Jaguars draft a Ford Gators guy and then uh, Dan Mullen's available, maybe we'll get something there. We'll see. But um, just stick with us. We're trying our best to provide everything uh, everything we can for, for college football this season even though it's essentially canceled as of right now. Demetrius, I'll, I'll echo that sentiment there
0: about uh, – Hopefully, Jaguars drafting Gators because, uh, you know, working at Channel 4, that's that's the best of both worlds. That's there. Exactly. Maybe at nine. Yeah, never know. Yeah, never know. Never know. It could all uh, work out. I mean, that was the funny thing last year. We thought we had it all figured out. The Jaguars were going to draft Juwan Taylor in the first round. Lo and behold, they get him in the second round. <laughs> hey,
1: you never know. And they had to have liked getting him in the second round. Oh, man. Uh, that, that has worked out pretty perfectly.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yes. I think so. So, all right, guys, thank you very, very much. Everybody go out there and check them out at uh, All Gators, S-I All Gators there. So for uh, Demetrius and Zach, I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at Gator Dave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.